welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Parkhouse Podcast. We got a lot to talk about today. We are back. I uh, took a break last week, but we are back. Lots to talk about. We're going to dive into the big trade that happened in the NHL, the Eric Carlson trade. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about EA Sports and veiled information about NHL 24. We're going to take a deep dive into that uh, later on. We're going to take a look back at the bizarre Summer World Juniors that were held last year in 2022, uh, capped off by that incredible finish in the gold medal game. Stay tuned for that, and stay tuned at the very end because I have an announcement about the puck house, so stay tuned for that at the end of the episode, uh, but sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of... The Puck House Podcast. All right, now we're going to move into the roundup. And this week, man, like, I thought it would be a great week to take off. You know, I thought not really much is going to be happening around the league. Uh, in the world of hockey, <laughs> there's plenty that happened in the world of hockey uh, over the past since we last chatted two weeks ago. So we're going to talk about that. There's quite a bit to talk about. First off, we are going to dive into the Halinka Gretzky Cup. The Halinka Gretzky Cup wrapped up uh, just th the day after I posted the last episode, I believe. So like the Friday, Saturday. So we're just going to talk about the end of that tournament. First off, uh, it was a much hyped matchup. It was between Canada and the USA. Uh, in the semifinal, we're going to talk talk about that, dive into that. And I see I see similarities between this game and the semifinals at the World Juniors. Uh, so U.S. jumped out to an early lead. Will Zeller scored the opening goal for U.S. eight minutes into the first period. Maxi Massé was able to tie it up for Canada. But U.S. was able to get a goal on the power. All three of these goals were power play goals. There were quite a few penalties in the first period. Uh, but USA had a 2-1 lead. Uh, Trevor Connolly whipped the goal for the USA to make it 2-1. So momentum shifting on USA's side. But what happened next was six straight unanswered Canada goals. And they went on to defeat USA 7-2. to And, I mean, there was a goal, I believe, in this game. Porter Martone, my gosh. What a goal by Porter Martone. Coast to coast. It was a beauty goal. I don't know if you've seen it on TSN, but, oh, man, that was just a beautiful, beautiful goal by Porter Martone. Uh, that helped him with the 7-2 win. Uh, great game from Canada. Uh, remind, like I said, it reminds me a lot of the World Junior Semifinals. US, USA went up 2-0 uh, against Canada. And I remember watching that. And it was like, well, actually, I was like, yeah. It was like, oh, my gosh. Because I, I checked my phone. It was 2-0 USA. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. We're going to have to play in the bronze medal game tomorrow. But you know what? Canada, like, they fought back that game. And they went they ended up winning six to two. Like there was like the team played well. Uh, Bedard stepped up. Stan Coleman stepped up. Guys like that, those big players on that Canada team, Canada team really stepped up. 
and then gold medal game came and yeah we ended up beating Czechia in overtime uh, which brings me which actually brings me to the gold medal game well first off uh, there was the bronze medal game to be played uh, Finland lost to Czechia so Czechia and Canada f are going to face off in the gold medal game USA won the bronze by a score of five to two which brings us to the gold medal game Canada Czechia very similarly to like the world juniors because this was the gold medal matchup again and uh it didn't start out great for canada uh, adam tittleback uh scored tittleback i think that's how you say it scored for czechia eight minutes into the first period czechia has got the one nothing lead but caden lindstrom early in the second period and then berkeley cad makes it 2-1 for canada uh, Berkeley Cadden, I just got to give a shout out to him. Berkeley Cadden, uh, he's going to be, he's probably going to be a projected top pick, top five pick next year in the draft. He'll be up there. He'll be up in the conversation for sure in that top five range. Berkeley Cadden plays for the Spokane Chiefs. A phenomenal player. I've had the pleasure of watching him a couple times and he's a great player. He's a great player and I'm not surprised he had the tournament he did, uh, the Hulling Gretzky Cup captained the team. So, Berkeley Cadden, got to give a shout-out to him. 2-1. Uh, and mid-second period, and because I was watching the game, and as, like, it was unfolding, Canada wasn't able to add to that 2-1 lead. You have this feeling. You have this feeling at... Like, when when a game stays a score, like, for that long, you know, I, I always have this, like, feeling that it's not going to stand. That lead's not going to stand. It can't stand. Especially when, you know, you have chances, but you're not able to capitalize on them to add on to the lead. Start to get a bad feeling. I had a bad feeling. Uh, and then what happens? Malcolm Spence takes a slashing penalty, and on the power play... Czechia tied it up and I said when that when Spence took that slashing penalty I said this is Czechia's chance to get back into the game this is their chance to tie it and I thought if Czechia doesn't score here I think Canada wins this game and what happens uh, uh Matej Kubiesa ties it up 2-2 447 left in the third period that that one stung. That one stung for Canada. Uh, so the game went to overtime. Huh, funny enough. Where have we heard Canada-Czechia overtime before? Ah, the World Juniors, yes. Uh, the World Juniors gold medal game, which Dylan Gunther scored. Uh, the golden goal for Canada, former Edmonton Oil King, and uh, he played in the Memorial Cup in uh, Kamloops. Uh, Dylan Gunther for the Seattle Thunderbirds. But so the question is who's going to kind of be the hero? Who is going to be the hero for who's going to be the hero for Canada here or for Czechia? Who's going to win this game? On um, and there was a moment. Uh there were some good chances. Good chances back and forth. But there was a moment where Czechia 
probably, yeah, Czechia had a really good opportunity to win. Roger McQueen takes a tripping penalty. And there was, I honestly, my thoughts on the call were, that's kind of a soft call to call that in overtime, in the gold medal game. And there was a couple things on Czechia after a couple things that the Czechs did, like a couple tri tripping stuff, that the fact that they called that, but they didn't call any of the Czechia penalties, I say don't, don't really call. Like when you get to overtime like that, just let the guys play, all right? Like unless it's something like, you know, obvious, like you have to call. Like if a guy, you know, hits it, makes a dirty hit or something, you got to call that. Like, if a guy's just being plain stupid, you got to call it. But I don't, like, a soft tripping thing like that, I don't think you can call unless it had implications on, you know. Like, if a guy's in on, like, a breakaway or something, it trips. Like, there's certain, but, like, it was a soft. It was a soft tripping call. Uh, this was Czechia's moment, though. This was Czechia's chance. And what happens? They didn't score. They didn't score on the power play. Uh, and they didn't really generate any really high-quality chances. So in that moment, after that power play, I had a feeling Canada was going to win it. And what do you know? I was thinking, okay, this game's going to double overtime. We're getting down to the final few seconds. What do you know? Final 10 seconds. Malcolm Spence in all alone on the breakaway. And Malcolm Spence scores, and Canada wins the Holinka Gretzky Cup. Uh, is that is that a repeat? I'm trying to think if that's a repeat for them. I'm gonna have to see here. Did they win last year? Yeah, they did. 2022, yes, in uh, in beautiful Red Deer, Alberta, uh, Canada won the gold medal, and Canada was able to go back to back. So Canada wins the gold medal. Uh, Czechia finishes second in the tournament and, and the U.S. wins the bronze medal game coming in third place. And there's also, there was a massive, a massive trade in the NHL. So I'd been talking for a few weeks about the Eric Carlson trade rumors. We were talking about that for the last couple weeks. Is he going to go to Carolina? Is he, is he going to go to the Penguins? Well, it has happened. Eric Carlson was traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins on a trade. So here's, here's a look at the trade. We're going to talk about it right now. It was a three-team trade. So apparently they had to bring in a, a third team to kind of help with things. So... So basically, let's just break down what each team's going to receive. There was, it was between Pittsburgh, San Jose, and Montreal got involved in there. Montreal's in there as well as kind of, I guess, the, I guess like the third wheel. I guess you could put it that way, like the third wheel. Uh, but Montreal's in there too. So let's break down what each team's going to get here. Pittsburgh receives Eric Carlson, Rem Pitlick, Dylan ha Hamilek, and a 2026 third round draft pick. And Carlson, Hamilek, and the third round pick are coming from San Jose, while Rem Pitlick is coming from the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, San Jose is going to get back 
Uh, this is via Pittsburgh. They're going to get a 2024 first-round draft pick. Michael Granlund and Jan Ruta is going to come back. It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna come back to San Jose. The three assets there, and San Jose also gets uh, Mike Hoffman from Montreal via Montreal. Funny enough, I don't know if people knew this. Mike, this is not the first time Mike Hoffman has been traded to the San Jose Sharks. Remember when Eric Carlson was gonna be like traded out of Ottawa? And there was a whole thing about, like, Eric Carlson and Mike Hoffman. There was big beef between them because something about, like, if I remember, I might not have all the details correct. I remember saying about Mike Hoffman's girlfriend was, like, cyberbullying Eric Carlson's girlfriend. Like, there was a whole thing or saying. I don't remember exactly. I just remember that being, there was something about that, though, but... Basically, the two could not be on the same. So, two or three months before the Eric Carlson trade to San Jose, Mike Hoffman was traded from the Ottawa Senators to the San Jose Sharks. And that same day, however, the San Jose Sharks said, All right, welcome to San Jose, Mike. We are trading you to the Florida Panthers. So, he got traded twice in the same day. So Mike Hoffman uh, makes a return, I guess. You could just say, like, I guess, a return to the San Jose Sharks. Uh, but remember, there's also a third team in this, Montreal. What does Montreal get back? Now, all these assets are coming from the Pittsburgh Penguins. So there's a 2025 second-round draft pick. Casey DeSmith, so that's a backup goalie for uh, Tristan Jari, which I found... I found kind of interesting that he was in that trade, I guess. Uh, I don't know how good, like, Pittsburgh's goaltending is going to be next year. That's a big question mark for me and the fact that now Casey DeSmith has departed what they're going to do about their goaltending. And Nathan Laguerre and Jeff Petrie. Jeff Petrie is coming back to Montreal. Or is he? Because there's a part two to this, kind of. There's a part two. So that is the completion of the Eric Carlson trade. Lots of assets, lots of pieces. A massive deal. A massive off-season trade in the NHL. Uh, not that long after. A uh, couple days ago, actually. There was another trade uh, between the Detroit Red Wings and the Montreal Canadiens. Jeff Petrie, so I guess it was a thing about he didn't want to come back to Montreal. So Montreal, I think, immediately went to kind of try to ship him out. And they traded him to the Detroit Red Wings. Jeff Petrie is going to the D Detroit Red Wings. Montreal is going to get back Gustav Lindstrom and a conditional fourth-round pick in 2025. I'm not sure what the conditions are exactly. But another thing, Montreal is going to retain 50% of remaining obligations pertaining to his contract. Detroit is going to pay 37.5% of his remaining contract. So the Detroit Red Wings acquire uh, Jeff Petrie. Uh, so 
those were kind of it was kind of a two part it was a two part trade I guess between the two teams but uh yeah Eric Carlson going to the Pittsburgh Penguins I mean man like I I talked about my thoughts on what would happen if it if it did go down and it and it did go down and like I don't know I really don't know about the Pittsburgh Penguins they got a great starting lineup maybe the best you know starting lineup in the league you got Crosby you got Malkin I mean yes those guys are getting up there in age but they're still they're still really really good players you got Getzel I think Getzel though's been sidelined with an injury I think I thought I read something about that but if he when he comes back you got Latang and Carlson on the blue line uh Jari and that, but you still got a great starting line. Like I said, maybe the best in the NHL. Who's below? Who's below? Like, like who's in that second line? Who's in that third line? There's not really guys there. And the thing about it, like Penguins every year, they're just getting older and older. They're bringing in all these veterans. I think they said, like, this is going to be, it's like the oldest NHL team on record of all time. Like, it's, I don't know. I I really, I don't see the Penguins as serious contenders for the Cup this year. I would love to see it. I would love to see it. I've always been a Crosby guy. I've always been a Penguins guy. I, I, I have a love for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But I'm trying to be realistic here. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm trying to be realistic. I just don't see the Penguins as legit contenders. Uh, I do think I I do think the Penguins like they did so solid in the trade. Like I don't I don't hate what the Penguins got. Like Penguins gave up or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. It's more about just like. Yeah, I just don't think what they're going to be doing. Like, I just don't think they're going to be legit contenders. Uh, I think I'm, yeah. We will, I could be totally wrong, though. Watch and watch the Penguins, you know, prove me wrong. I would love to see it. I would love to see the Penguins win another cup. I would love to see Crosby win another cup. I just don't think the Penguins have what it takes, though, to be a serious cup contender. We will have to see, though. We will have to see. But that's my thoughts on it as of right now. Eric Carlson has been traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins. There's been some really sad news in the NHL world over the past week. Uh, we received, there was word this past week, uh, Maple Leafs prospect Rodion Amarov has died at the age of 21. Uh, he was the 15th overall selection for the Maple Leafs in the 2020 NHL entry draft, and he was diagnosed with brain cancer in 2021. He's only 21. Like, my gosh. Like, just that broke, broke my heart when I just heard that news. Like, and the Maple Leafs released a statement about it. Uh, this was a statement from Maple Leafs president, Brendan Shanahan. He said, the entire Maple Leafs organization is devastated by this tragic loss. Over the duration of his courageous battle, Rodian's positivity inspired everyone around him 
and he made lasting impressions with our team and fans in his brief visits to Toronto. It's incredibly sad to see a young man with so much promise taken from us so soon. We offer our deep, deepest condolences to Rodian's family and friends as we mourn this loss together. It's just, oh man, that that was really just such sad news to hear. Uh, only 21 years old. That's just the thing that's, I think that's the thing that really is just so sad about it, you know kid with just so much promise and brain cancer like man that's really really tough news to hear uh in the nhl and it didn't get the same day i think it was uh the maple leafs former maple leafs uh player bobby bond passed away too uh bobby bond he was known for in 1964 during the stanley cup finals Bobby Bond, he like broke his leg or something like that in 1964, or he fractured his ankle. Like he, but he he injured himself pretty bad. He returned uh, in overtime, in overtime in the game, and he scored the game winner uh, for the Maple Leafs uh, in Game Six. That was to tie up the series at three three, and then the Maple Leafs won Game Seven to win the Stanley Cup. That was. That was, I think, the Maple Leafs' second last cup before uh, their drought. But really sad news for the Maple Leafs. Two, two guys, uh, two guys from the Maple Leafs both pass away. And but, I mean, just my condolences to, especially to Rodian Amarov. Uh, that was just devastating news to hear in the hockey community. The whole hockey community is just devastated by that news there's also been some sad news in the nhl broadcasting community rick generate the longtime sabers broadcaster has died at the age of 81 he started ca calling games for the buffalo sabers basically way back in the beginning i think it was like the sabers second season ever in the early 70s uh called games for about 50 years 50 years, man. Like, he called games for a long time. Retired, not last season, but, like, the season before. Uh, he suffered multi-organ failure over the last two years. And and he sadly uh, passed away uh, the other day. Uh, he was 81. He just an absolute legend in the broadcasting community. Uh most they were showing uh one of his most famous calls uh the mayday call in 1993 uh when brad may scored uh overtime goal in game four 1993 uh, to clinch the sweep against the boston bruins that was the buffalo sabers first uh playoff series in about a decade so that was a huge moment such an iconic call such an iconic announcer he's so many Iconic calls uh, Rick Generate uh, has sadly died at the age of 81 There is some news from uh, The NHL video game for those of you NHL gamers out there. There is news about NHL 24 this past week It was announced that Kale McCarr Kale McCarr will be on the cover of NHL 24 and the other day they released the, uh, the gameplay trailer for NHL 24 and it seems like they're 
they haven't released anything about game modes yet. They only released information about the gameplay. Uh, and I think from what I've heard in interviews from EA, it sounds like they want to bounce back. NHL 23 was... Nah, wasn't... I wasn't a huge fan of it. I, I did like some of the small additions they made, but it wasn't like it's these little things. And it's like that doesn't, you know... It's not worth like 80, 90 bucks, you know, to be honest with you. Uh, so this year, NHL 24 is adding an exhaust engine. So basically how that's going to work is they're going to have like if you're pressuring a team, like from my understanding, if you're, if you're keeping the puck in your offensive zone, the defense and the goaltending is going to start to get worn, worn down and you're going to have so if you keep it in your zone for longer, you kind of have a better chance of scoring, I guess. Is that kind of – and kind of you get more – like you get a boost for your offense and uh, the defense on the other side will get worn down, which, yeah, that's pretty, you know, like that's true in hockey. Like, you know, if you keep a, keep the puck in the zone for a long time, you know, you have a, you have a good chance of scoring. I've seen that happen in real life in games and they're trying to bring that you know uh yeah so goalies are gonna get kind of like tired i guess like longer it's in the zone i sounds like they're not gonna be like completely useless at a certain point but they're gonna get they're gonna get worn down you know so that should be that'll be a little bit interesting uh they added some stuff with hitting you can hit guys into the bench now which i have I've been waiting for that for like forever. Just a simple thing like that. Finally, they add it. Hooray. And then they added, they added broken glass too. Uh, they added broken glass. They're, they say too, there's going to be stuff with crowd, like more stuff with crowd. But like you look at the fans have not changed. The fans in the in the game have not changed since like NHL 15. Like the fans are literally the same fans, but I don't know. We'll have to see. I'm I'm kind of kind of kind of wait before I give my full thoughts about what I think about this. I think they're focusing on game gameplay for this. Uh, they said they're gonna release. Ga- game modes later on and information about that so i'm not necessarily i'm not gonna say do i like it i like the idea of the exhaust engine i think it's a good idea i just hope there's more in the game modes department that can you know that's a that like the game modes are the selling point i hope it's not the exhaust engine is like the selling point of this game i hope it's not uh so i'm gonna wait till like you know give out information about the game modes before I give my my full thoughts on it uh but I will I will plan on getting the game and uh when I do get the game I will I will definitely make a review for you guys my thoughts on the game what do I think about it yeah uh NHL 24 with Kale McCarr on the cover there's been a couple announcements from 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 some veteran NHL players first off uh, David Krejci, David Krejci, this comes just three weeks after Patrice Bergeron retired. David Krejci has announced his retirement 
from the NHL. So now the Boston Bruins have lost both Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci, both both uh, key forwards for the Boston, both key veteran forwards for the Boston Bruins. Uh, David Krejci, 37 years old, he has decided to retire. He said kind of his body just kind of told him, you know, that he had enough, you know, and he said he left it all out there. It's tough, like I said, it's tough to see. It's tough to see these guys, Bergeron and Krejci, not really get kind of the, I guess, send-off you would have hoped. Uh, you know, just the first-round exit, the overtime loss, and that's how the career ended for them. It's kind of, it's a little bit of a sad kind of ending, but both of them, like, they both had great careers, both members of the 2011 Stanley Cup team with the Boston Bruins when they beat the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, yeah, David Krejci has retired from the NHL. And another uh, veteran NHLer, uh, Jonathan Taves. Jonathan Taves, there's some news about him. Jonathan Taves has announced that he is he's not retiring. He is taking time away from hockey. So it was kind of announced that him and the Blackhawks had parted ways and he'll be going into the free agency market. Legendary career with the Chicago Blackhawks. Helped captain that dynasty, uh, the three Stanley Cups in six years. But Jonathan Taves, uh, he's announced he's going to take time away from hockey last couple years. He has fought through some health challenges, long COVID, chronic immune response syndrome. Uh, but he says he's going to take time away from hockey. Uh, we'll see if he comes back in 2024, 2025, or if he'll hang up the skates. I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to keep an update on that situation. But, yeah, a couple announcements from some veteran NHL players. All right. Now we're going to dive into a moment in time. And today... Uh, we're going to take a look back. Uh, normally, the World Juniors are played around Christmas time. It's a Christmas classic. You know, Boxing Day, during the holidays, gathering around. You know, it's snowing outside and, you know, the World Juniors are on. Like, that's just, you know, like it's such an awesome time of the year. It's just, you know, in Canada, it's, you know... It's associated with Christmas and the holidays. What about the time that it wasn't? We're going to take a look back. Remember when it was held in the summer last year? Uh, this was just, uh, just a year ago, honestly. Pretty close to the gold medal game would have been pretty close to this day. I think one year of that game would be this Sunday. So, uh, yeah, we're going to take a look back. At the tournament, we're going to take a look back at the summer World Juniors. First, we're going to talk about what kind of led up to it. So, there was, I mean, going into it, uh, Omicron. Omicron began to start to pick up momentum around December 2021. Uh, they were initially, it was going to be, it was supposed to be kind of a pretty normal World Juniors. And then they had to go to like half capacity like they had to do 
they had to do quite a few things last minute, if I remember. Uh, but, like, they weren't able to really have... Or was it, like, 25 for... Like, it was... I think they went from 50% to 25%. Like, they cut back on quite a few things. Uh, but, so... But the tournament went on. The tournament started to go on. And, uh, day one, uh, Canada played against Czechia. Uh, Boxing Day it was always, always, you know... And actually, looking at this, Czechia had a 3-1 lead before uh, Canada was able to bounce back, score five unanswered goals in that game to win uh, 6-3. Owen Power, Owen Power, he had a hat-trick that game, which I didn't remember. But Owen Power, yeah, Owen Power had a hat-trick in that game. Uh, As the tournament progressed, uh, there was a game, Canada played a, a second game too, uh, they played against Austria and beat them eleven to two. This was the game. Bedard, Bedard got four goals in this game. Remember, at the time going into that tournament, he was only sixteen, and he just he just lit it up that game. Uh, it was a great performance by uh, Canada that game in their second game. Uh, so things were going pretty well for teams like Canada. Uh, Finland played three games. They were at the moment the top of the group. Uh, well, however, there was on December 29th, the fourth day of the tournament, uh, everything changed. And it really started, it really began on December 28th. It really began on December 28th, the third day of the tournament. Uh, it was announced that the game in Red Deer uh, between Switzerland and the United States had been canceled due to the United due to COVID-19 positives within the U.S. team. So it was like, wow, like there was now, te- like a team has tested positive. Like, oh my gosh, like this is. Like, how's this going to affect the rest of the tournament? December 29th was when it... December 29th was supposed to be a four-game day. Uh, There was games scheduled. Uh, Finland-Czechia was supposed to kick off the day at 12 o'clock. Slovakia and Russia were going to play at 2.30 in Red Deer. Canada, this was supposed to be Canada and Germany were about to face off at 5 o'clock. And then that evening, the 7.30 game between Sweden and the United States was supposed to be set to be a great matchup there. Uh, Great evening game uh, in the World Juniors in Red Deer. Uh, However, the 12 o'clock game, it is, there was word that came out that COVID-19 positives have been, there's been people in the Czechia team that have tested positive for COVID-19. So Czechia has to forfeit that game to Finland. Uh, So now that's two teams. That's two teams now. And then the 2.30 game between Slovakia and Russia. Uh, Russia has now tested positive. Uh, there's been COVID-19 positives within the Russia, Russia team. They have to forfeit their game to Slovakia. 
shortly after uh, uh, the IIHF announced that the tournament had been canceled, an unprecedented thing. Uh, we, we'd never seen that before in the World Juniors. The tournament had been canceled. And it was honestly, like, because I was, I was quite disappointed because, I mean, tournament's such a fun tournament to watch Christmas time. And I totally, I totally respected and understood the decision. I'm glad they did it for the safety of the players and for the fans. I was hoping right away when the day the tournament got canceled, I said, uh, I would hope that they would get to play the tournament at some point because I really feel for those players. It's a once-in-a-lifetime experience to play for your country and to see that get wiped out, you know, that's that's a tough thing. And I, you know, you know, there's guys that I feel, you know, that was, you know, it's a big moment for them. It's a big moment for them. So... I was really hoping they would get to play it again. And even right away after it, there was speculation that they could replay it at some point. And then there was word that there was going to be a summer World Juniors. Uh, norm like, you know, in the summertime, uh, you think of summer, you think of the beach, you think of, I don't know, golfing, like just different things. You don't think of the World Juniors. You don't think of the World Juniors. How is this going to play out? But there is a Summer World Juniors, and there was... There's different things about... Like, there's definitely... There was success. There was, like, some failures, too. There was... But in the weeks leading up to the tournament, this was when kind of the Hockey Canada scandal kind of broke out. And that had a huge effect on the tournament. It did. Like, it really did, if you look at it. Uh, first off, sponsors. Sponsors were pulling out left and right from Hockey Canada. And it just, yeah, it was a really... And the thing is, like, yeah, Hockey Canada, they've, they've messed up. You know what? Like, they've messed up. But, you know, I do feel bad that those kids, you know, who had nothing to do with this were sort of suffering some of the consequences of what ha Hockey Canada has done in the past and what Hockey Canada has kind of covered up. That's that's my thing on it. But uh, still, there was games to be played. And right away, the big thing was attendance, attendance issues. Only a couple hundred people showed up to some of these games, like, I'm looking at the games. Uh, their first game of the tournament between Czechia, Slovakia, 430 fans. Followed by 376 between Finland and Latvia. And then there would be a spike when Canada plays. But still, only 2,700 fans. Uh, back to like 500. The attendance started to increase a little bit. And, like, as the tournament went on, well, particularly the Canada games, all the non-Canada games were only getting 500, 600 fans. Uh, and then the Canada games would receive around 5,000 in in the round robin. Uh, but, I mean, really, I mean, I get why. I get why, because 
you know, there's not really, there's not much talk about it. There's not much, I guess, promotion about it. Uh, but these are great games, you know, these are great games and it's summertime. Everyone's kind of like, you know, trying to enjoy the summer. Uh, but I remember there was a tournament held in Kamloops about five. It was the year Vancouver hosted the World Juniors. It was called the World Junior Summer Showcase. And it was this, it was like in late July, early August. And it was just a week of international hockey in Kamloops. It was a great tournament. Uh, I went to all those games. Those are, it was, it was great hockey. But the problem was it was really poorly promoted, if I remember correctly. And it was only, like, I don't even know how we stumbled upon. It was like... Oh, I guess there's this World Junior Summer Showcase thing in in our town. So we were like, yeah, let's let's go to it. Uh, but it was it was great hockey. It was great hockey. There was lots of future NHLers. Uh, Jack Hughes played in the Jack Hughes and Quinn Hughes played in the tournament. Uh, actually, I actually got to see Quinn Hughes as he was walking off the ice. I had someone someone who was a Canucks fan got like a ticket stub. Uh, like signed by him and I was there too and yeah I remember I just kind of said to him yeah go Canucks and he just kind of laughed and oh but it, I had good memories from that tournament and there was some great hockey uh great great Canadian players too like it was a it was a really fun tournament to watch over the week and attendance was there wasn't really there was probably in that arena holds about 6,000 somewhere around there there was probably like 2,000, 2,500, and we're like a hockey town, and yeah, I mean, just because it's summertime, and, and again, like I said, it was really poorly promoted, if I remember correctly, uh, yeah, but it was great hockey, though, regardless, so it kind of reminded me, as this tournament was unfolding, it brought me back kind of to that, what was happening there, but I remember watching the games, like, it was very... You know, I was excited to watch these games, you know, especially at a time in the in the hockey year where there's not much happening. It was a great time to watch these games. There was, you know, uh, the first game, and I mean, there was a lot of talk about Bedard, McTavish, guys like that. Uh, Bedard had a solid tournament. Uh, he didn't have as great a tournament as, like, you know, he did in, in Halifax. But he had a really solid tournament. Mason McTavish really led the way. Uh, Mason McTavish, I think one of the games, he had like a eight-point game or something crazy like that. He did something crazy like that. Uh, as the tournament progressed, uh, first off, uh, Canada's group, Canada uh, won all their games in the group. They they played really well throughout that tournament. I remember, too, it was uh, Kent Johnson. Kent Johnson's uh, lacrosse goal. I remember that. That was that was a beauty goal, and I'll never forget. Uh, they showed uh, Stankoven's face on the after the Kent Johnson lacrosse goal, and he has his hands up on his helmet. He couldn't believe that Kent Johnson just did that lacrosse goal, but it was a uh, great. You know, there was great players. Canada. A lot of them actually came back to for the Halifax World Juniors. Quite a few of them. And there was a few pieces that got added on that could have played, but didn't didn't necessarily. I, I don't know if want, wanted to, but they couldn't. Like 
due to commitments. If like I think of like Dylan Gunther, who had commitments with the Arizona Coyotes. But yeah, Canada steamrolled kind of through their group. Uh, on the other side, there was uh, U.S. won all their games, topped the group. Uh, but as we got to uh, the knockout rounds, uh, things kind of Canada was able to win six three over Switzerland. This was this was really Stankoven's breakout game. Stankoven he he had played solid all tournament. But he just took it up a notch in the knockout round. And he became probably Canada's engine in that uh, in the knockout stages of the of the games. Uh, but yeah, you know, guys like that, they like, you know, there was guys who stepped up. I felt like every game and uh, that was Stankoven's game. He won player of the game, if I remember correctly, in that Canada Switzerland uh, quarterfinal game. Uh, the semifinals, well, actually, first off, I should actually talk about, well, Sweden, Latvia, I believe, yeah, because Latvia won, and they were able to make it, they won a game, and they were able to make it into, like, the, they were able to make it into the knockout stage, and they just fell just short to Sweden. Uh, that would have been a pretty crazy upset if Latvia was able to beat Sweden. But we had a big upset. Oh, ho, ho. U.S., the top team in in Group B, got knocked out by Czechia. I remember watching that game, and it was just like, wow, U.S. is out. And that was really the team that I think I, I was expecting to kind of see in the, in the finals. Uh, and that didn't, you know, I thought it was going to be a Canada-U.S. rematch from the 2021 World Juniors, which U.S. won 2-0, and I really think, yeah, that was that was a tough loss because I really felt like Canada had, you know, a pretty good team, played well all tournament, and then uh, fell to the U.S. But in that semifinals, uh, Canada had to face Czechia. Canada won uh, five to two. Uh, yeah, there was, yeah, it was a great, great game there between Canada and Czechia. Uh, well, actually, yeah. I mean, Canada got off to a hot start, and uh, they they didn't look back. And Canada was able to advance to the gold medal game. Who would meet them in the gold medal game? Sweden or Finland? Uh, and Finland won one nothing, so it was Canada Finland in the gold medal game. Now, I do want to also bring it back to the attendance. Attendance again for the knockout games. 500 somewhere around there for the non Canada games. It went, it was about 5,000 for Canada's quarterfinal and semifinal matchups. Uh, the bronze medal game brought in 3,000 fans. And then the, the gold medal game, uh, had 13,000 fans. So it really, it really spiked up for the gold medal game. People came for the gold medal game. But yeah, attendance was very disappointing, I think. It was not what Hockey Canada had been hoping for. I'm sure they weren't expecting that it was going to bring the same kind of level of, you know, energy and, I guess, enthusiasm around the country as a normal World Juniors would bring. But I still think, yeah, 
that is it was quite you know underwhelming i think i think hockey but there was a lot that was happening at the time like i mentioned the hockey canada scandal and then gold medal game came and uh joshua waugh got on the board for canada uh william dufour added to the lead it was two nothing canada uh, going into the third period, and I remember watching the gold medal game. Uh, Finland. Uh, he, the big thing, Canada. I remember if I if I remember correctly, Canada had a lot of power plays. Canada. I think they went like zero for seven on the power play. Their power play. They had chances to make it three nothing, and they the power play unit was not able to capitalize. And I think that was when I kind of got a little nervous. And I was like, it could happen where, you know, Finland could possibly get back into this game. Just one shot could get him back into it. And uh, Haima Salmi, Haima Salmi, I hope that's how you say it, uh, 16 minutes left, made it 2-1. Now you start to get a little nervous. Uh, It's 2-1. And then... Under 10 minutes left, Kemmel ties it up. Uh, yeah, uh, Joachim Kemmel tied it up. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's 2-2. It's 2-2 now. Uh, next goal, basically at this point, next goal could win it. And uh, the overtime started. And it's, you know, at this point, like, past experience with, overtimes and all that for Canada and international tournaments hadn't really been great. We haven't had a golden goal moment since Matt Halaschuk in 2008 for Canada. I think that tournament was in, were they facing Sweden or did they play in Sweden? I, I forget. I think they're, I think, oh, they were facing off against Sweden. I don't remember which, where it was, but yeah. But there was really a moment, I think, back to 2017 World Juniors, the uh, the gold medal game, which at the time it was like five-on-five overtime and then a shootout, which shootout, it's a terrible way to decide a tournament, and Canada lost in that terrible way to decide a tournament. Uh, but, yeah, uh, in overtime, overtime started, and there was a great chance early on by Logan Stankoven early in overtime for Canada. And then the other way, though, uh, McTavish pinched. He pinched, and then all of a sudden, there's a three-on-one for Finland. Three-on-one, I'm sitting there going, this is it, isn't it? Finland's about to score. They're about to win the gold medal. Uh, the guy kind of whiffs on the shot. He kind of, he didn't get all of it. Uh, So Dylan Garand, a former Kamloops Blazer, by the way, was able to uh, make the easy save. He dumps it, kind of passes it to McTavish. Uh, I guess the Finnish guy, you can't really see, but I guess the Finnish guy kind of got his, you know, got his stick into McTavish, and McTavish falls, no call. I thought initially when I saw it, I thought he just caught an edge, look lost his footing or something like that but looking at it again it was like that guy tripped him that should have been a penalty and then that set up this the finish guy gets it behind the net passes it out in front to uh i forget who it was but another finish player guy shoots it it gets past 
Garand. As the puck flies through the air, it's like, oh my gosh, Finland's about to score. They're about to win the gold medal. Uh, Canada falls short again in Edmonton. However, McTavish somehow, some way, bats the puck out of midair. This was probably the clutchest play I have ever seen in in hockey. I've, I've never seen something like this before. Just so clutch. Steps up such a great time. He just, like, as a last-ditch effort, he just he just hits the puck out of midair, drops down. It's, like, on the goal line, and he's able to pull it out. The crowd in Edmonton goes wild. He keeps Canada's hopes alive. Crowd's still buzzing from that. That, that overtime, those four, three, four minutes of overtime were insane. Uh, it was just crazy. And then just about a minute after, uh... Two-on-one for Canada. Logan Stankoven has the puck. And he was, you know, he, like, Logan Stankoven, he was stepping up big time for Canada in that knockout uh, stage of the tournament. So when he got the puck, it was like the crowd started to stand up. He was going for the shot. He was going for the shot. He was going for that classic toe-drag kind of release almost that we've seen, you know. Quite a bit. We saw it too in the U18s where he scored the game winner for Canada in that tournament. Very similar. Going for the shot, but the Finnish guy just gets a stick on it. Credit to Stankoven though, holding on to the puck as he's kind of he turns around fine. He knows he knew Johnson was with him. Gets to Johnson. Johnson basically in all alone uh, misses the first chance. Gets the rebound. Puts it in. Kent Johnson with the golden goal, and Canada are world champions again. Uh, what a moment. I mean, what a moment. Uh, yeah, it's just such a, you know, wacky situation with the tournament being held in the summer. Uh, capped off with a memorable moment, a really memorable overtime. One of the, one of the most iconic world junior moments. Mace McTavish. His stick out of the air, stick hitting the puck out of the air uh, and keeping it out. And then the great two-on-one credit to Stankoven there for making the great, great pass to Johnson not giving up on the play. And then Johnson for the finish. Uh, it was just a great, you know, great game for Canada. Uh, great, you know, just a great way to kind of cap off. It was a really bizarre tournament really bizarre situation uh but it was great that those players were able to play in the tournament and were able to win a gold medal and that'll do it for a moment in time all right now we're gonna head into our weekly segment redraft and this week if you remember last episode i mentioned we are gonna take a look we're gonna redraft what is widely considered what's considered by many as the greatest NHL draft class ever the 2003 NHL entry draft and if you look at a lot of these names in this draft I just want to highlight some of these names just in the draft before we even because if you know how our redrafts work we just take a look at the top 10 and we reorder 
the top 10. If we were doing a full on like redraft, it'd be so hard to pick a top, pick a top 10. So yeah, that's what we do here. We just stick with the top 10 and rearrange the top 10 like that. But I feel like because this draft class is so special, you know, there's other people outside the top 10 who deserve, you know, to get recognized, you know, an honorable mention. Even though they didn't make it into the top 10 of their draft class, they still went on to a very, very promising, very great career. Very great career. Uh, Jeff Carter was number 11 in the draft. Dustin Brown, number 13. Brent Seabrook was the next pick after after at 14. Zach Parise was, was at number 17. Ryan Getzlaff was number 19. Brent Burns was 20. Ryan Kessler, Ryan Kessler, Vancouver Canucks, number 23. Mike Richards was number 24. Corey Perry, number 28. So the Ducks got both Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry in the first round. Uh, that draft, that's a pretty incredible draft that year. Who else? Let me see. I'm just scrolling kind of through. Patrice Bergeron was number 45, the recently retired Patrice Bergeron. Corey Crawford was number 52. David Backus, number 62. We got, got Jimmy Howard at 64 late in the second round of the draft. Danny Carcillo, Car Car Clark MacArthur, both like in the third round. I'm just kind of scrolling through here. Like, there is a lot of names. Wasn't Shea Weber in this draft, too? I might have missed Shea Weber, but I thought Shea Weber was in there. Yeah, there he is. There he is. There's Shea Weber. Number 49. Second round, 49th overall. I thought I remembered Shea Weber. And I think also in that draft, in like the seventh round or something, was Joe Pavelski. Yeah, Joe Pavelski, 1,000-point player in the seventh rounds. Like, that draft class, this draft class was just absolutely loaded with talent, future star NHLers. These guys, most of these guys in this draft class kind of make up my childhood, like watching Hockey Night in Canada and all that. These, these names would be the most prominent names on Hockey Night in Canada. But, yeah, and by the way, those were just guys outside the top 10. And there's quite a few guys in the top 10 here that we have to talk about. It's not like the last couple we've done, because we started from 2000. Last couple, if you've been following along how we've been doing fit, there's, there's like one or two superstars maybe in the top 10, but nothing really, you know, and then a couple, you know, guys who had decent careers and then there was one or two who maybe were you know just didn't even really play any games in the nhl because that can happen for either injuries or just just development didn't work out uh this is not the case i can tell you right now first off there is no the i think the player that has the fewest points i'm not gonna say who but the fewest points by a player in the top 10 is 222 points. Uh, these guys, yeah, wow. Like, already, like, we got guys at least over 200 points. We got we got tons of names, tons of great names. Uh, so we're going to talk about the top 10. 
stick around. This top 10 is going to be pretty, you know, you're going to hear a lot of names, a lot of names that might spark some nostalgia. Uh, first pick, the Pittsburgh Penguins held the first overall pick. There was a trade. Uh, the Florida Panthers had the first overall pick, and they traded it to the Pittsburgh Penguins in that 2003 draft. And the Pittsburgh Penguins continued the trend of kind of picking goalies really high, as we've seen in the last couple redrafts. There's been at least a goalie in the top 10, which you don't see that anymore. You see a guy like Thomas Millich, who was a world junior goalie, get taken in the fifth, sixth round. Guys like that now. But back in that day, it seemed like goalies were taken a lot higher. Uh, like Even like highest I can think of most recently was like Sebastian Kosa in 2021 when he was taken in the first round by the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, but yeah, the Pittsburgh Penguins took Marc-Andre Fleury. And who is who are the Penguins going to take in this redraft? All these names. I'm going to stick with Fleury. I'm going to stick with Marc-Andre Fleury on this. Marc-Andre Fleury, unreal career. He's, he's still playing. Marc-Andre Fleury, great career. Just, you know, he was the brick wall for the Pittsburgh Penguins that won three Stanley Cups. Marc-Andre Fleury, and, and, and even he went to Vegas and you know made a deep run there with Vegas, led him to the Stanley Cup Finals. You know, I remember that time, too, Vegas had, like, five goalies or something because all their goalies kept, like, all their goalies kept getting hurt, so they're on, like, their fifth-string goalie. I remember that, and Fleury was, I remember that whole ordeal with the Vegas Golden Knights that year, and that was their first season. But Marc-Andre Fleury is going to stick Stay at number one. He's going to stay at number one. Mark andre Fleury. Uh, number two, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes had the second overall pick. Uh, and they took Eric Stahl. And again, I'm sticking with it. Eric Stahl, over 1,000 points. Over 1,000 points. Uh, 18, he's, is he still playing? Yeah, he is. Oh, yeah, because he was on the Panthers, Florida Panthers. I can't tell if it's, like, if I'm thinking of another Stahl brother or, like, but, yeah, Eric Stahl. Uh, yeah, Eric Stahl, great career, especially the Carolina Hurricanes. I always remember him on the Carolina Hurricanes watching him. And we highlighted, I think, two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago about uh, their Game 7 in 2009 when he scored the game winner late in that Game 7 in the final seconds. That's the latest Game 7 winner uh, in regulation still to this day but Eric Stahl well does he he's gonna stay he's gonna stay a number two and now now here's where we go to kind of switching some things up a little bit here's the rearranging here is the rearranging uh number three number three here uh the Florida Panthers held that pick because they traded with the Pittsburgh Penguins and they dropped down to the Pittsburgh Penguins original pick at number three and they initially took Nathan Horton. That's not going to be the case here, although Nathan Horton, we'll get back to him. But number three, the Florida Panthers select Thomas Vanek. Thomas Vanek. I got to go with Thomas Vanek here. Thomas Vanek, uh, I always remember him on the Sabres watching him. Uh, great player. He put up solid numbers throughout his, throughout his career. Played over a thousand games, almost eight hundred points. I think Thomas Vanek is, you know, good guy at number four. I was 
I was wondering if I should flip-flop the two, but I went with Vanek at three. But the guy at four, I think, is close. And we're going to get to number four. The Columbus Blue Jackets held that pick. And they're going to take in this Ryan Suter. Ryan Suter at number four. Uh, like I said, I think I think him, the reason I had Suter kind of almost on that level with Bannock was just because Suter, he was a top defenseman just for so long. Uh, you know, over 1,300 games. And I think in terms of this, like, doing redrafts, I think career longevity is, you know, a big part like of where I rank him. Like I, I value that highly. A guy who's a solid player for a long time. Uh, but yeah, Ryan Ryan Suter is gonna go at the number four spot. He's gonna bump up from number seven to number four uh, in this redraft. And at number five, uh, the Sabres took Thomas Vanek. He's not available, so they're gonna take Dion Phaneuf. Double Dion, yeah. Dion Phaneuf, captain, uh, former captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I remember watching him on, on Hockey Night in Canada as a kid, watching him. He was captain of the Leafs, but he also played for Calgary Flames and the Ottawa Senators. Did he play for only Canadian teams? Or did, Wait, I think he played for like the Kings at the end of his career for like just a little bit. He had a little stint, I think, with the... Los Angeles Kings, but Dion Phaneuf, Dion Phaneuf is going to go at the number five to the Buffalo Sabres. Dion Phaneuf had a solid career, was a top defenseman for, for a long time. So Dion Phaneuf is going to go at the number five. And number six, number six, the San Jose Sharks are going to take Nathan Horton. Nathan Horton is going to go in at the number six. Nathan Horton, I mean, he's a player that I think is quite, like, underrated. Like, I remember watching him on the Boston Bruins team and, like, the like that Stanley Cup winning team in 2010-11. Uh, but he put up some good numbers in Florida. Like, like I was looking at the – I didn't realize, like, he was a – he was a solid player in Florida. Like, you know, 50, 60 points every year on – and, I mean, the Florida Panthers, they weren't really doing much, you know? Like, they weren't ever really any sort of contender. So, Nathan Horton. Uh, Nathan Horton's going to go with the number six. He put up some solid numbers, you know? The reason I don't rate him as highly, injuries. Injuries shortened his career. You could see that he once, because he had, like, 50, 60 points consistently when he would play a full season, but then he started not playing full seasons, and then he had he went to the Blue Jackets, and then he had a back injury that ended his career. There's an interesting story about Nathan Horton too. He's the only player to ever score a game where he did not play. Now I'll explain. So basically, there was a game between the Blue Jackets and the Stars, and he scored early in the game to make it one nothing. However, in that same game, that was when Rich Peverly suffered a cardiac arrest on the bench and collapsed uh, during that game. And they, they postponed the game. Like, you know, they postponed the game. And 
after that incident, uh, they postponed the game. And then Nathan Horton, after when they resumed the game, that's when he had that long-term back injury. So the statistics stands, like, for that previous game. So he, he scored in a game that he didn't play. So he scored in a game after he retired, technically. It's a weird little, weird little tidbit. I thought I'd throw, throw that in, though. Uh, number seven. Number seven, the Nashville Predators had that pick. Uh, they took Ryan Suter, but Ryan Suter is not available. So they are going to take Braden Coburn. Braden Coburn is going to go to the Nashville Predators at number seven. Uh, Braden Co Coburn had a sol solid career. Uh, almost a thousand games. Like I said, I value that. I value that in a player career longevity. Braden Coburn is going to go in at the number seven. Uh, now we're starting to get down to the bottom of the top 10. Number, number eight, the Atlanta Thrashers. Uh, they took Braden Coburn, but he's not available. So they're going to take Milan Mikalek. I want to say Mikalek. It's like check. Milan Mikalek, uh, you know, he had played 13 seasons, seven, 750 games, over 200 goals, 446 points. You know, not too shabby, not too shabby of a career for Milan Mikalek. A solid player. He will go at the number eight in this. In, it's funny, a guy like that in most redrafts would go... Number four, number five, not this redraft because this redraft is stacked, filled with loads of talent. So in this one, Milan Mikalek is going to go number eight, but he could easily go four or five in any other redraft. Uh, number nine, number nine, the Calgary Flames had the pick. They took Dion Phaneuf. He's not available, so they are going to take Nikolai Zerdev. Nikolai Zerdev, uh, he didn't play for too long. He didn't play for too long, but when he did play, he put up not bad numbers. He only played for six seasons, uh, over four, just over 420 games, 261 points. So when he did play, he played, like, you know, he did solid. He's going to go with the number nine here. Uh, number 10. Montreal Canadiens, they took the same, we're going to take the same guy that the Montreal Canadiens took in this draft, Andre Kostitsin, Kostitsin, I, I believe that's how you, how you say it, uh, forgive me if I'm messing it up, but yeah, he, he didn't play for that long either, uh, around the same length in games, just a little bit shorter in games, so that's why I kind of took that's why I put Zerdev over Kostitsin. But, yeah, so now we are going to recap the top ten just so filled in. The first overall pick, the Pittsburgh Penguins, will take Marc-Andre Fleury. With the second overall pick, the Carolina Hurricanes will select Eric Stahl. With the third overall pick, the Florida Panthers will select Thomas Vanek. With the fourth overall pick, the Columbus Blue Jackets will select Ryan Suter. With the fifth overall pick, the Buffalo Sabres will select Dion Phaneuf, double Dion. With the sixth overall pick, the San Jose Sharks will select 
Nathan Horton. With the seventh overall pick, the Nashville Predators will select Braden Coburn. With the eighth overall pick, the Atlanta Thrashers will select Milan Mikalek. With the ninth overall pick, the Calgary Flames will select Nikolai Zerdev. And with the tenth overall pick, the Montreal Canadiens will select Andre Kristitsin. And that is the top ten. And that'll do it for this edition of the redraft. Next week will be the 2004 NHL entry draft. That's the Ovechkin draft. So stay tuned for that next week. And that'll do it for the redraft. All right. Now we're going to move into on this day. And on this day in hockey history, there have been a couple things that have happened. Today is August 18th. Uh, first off, on this day, August 18th, 1994. Doug Gilmore was named the 15th captain in Toronto Maple Leafs franchise history. He replaced Wendell Clark, who was traded to the Quebec Nordiques uh, for, funny enough, a future Maple Leafs captain, Matt Sundin. Matt Sundin ended up taking over just a you know little while later, and uh, Matt Sundin, he captained the Leafs for a long time. I don't know, he's got to be up there in terms of like longest-serving Leafs captains, Matt Sundin, but... Before Matt Sundin, there was Doug Gilmore, who was named the 15th team captain in franchise history on this day. Peter Kilma defected from the Czechoslovakian national team to join the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, so this was back in like the 80s, like kind of the whole Iron Curtain kind of era, and Peter Kilma defected, uh, joined... The Detroit Red Wings. The Detroit Red Wings got a lot of those like uh, guys from like the Soviet Union, uh, in, like the eighties, nineties, and then they formed the Russian Five. Uh, Scotty Bowman, his coach, put that kind of thing together. But then he was eventually traded to the Edmonton Oilers, uh, along with Joe Murphy, Adam Graves, and Jeff Sharples. And the Detroit Red Wings got back Jimmy Carson. Kevin McClelland and a fifth round draft pick. Jimmy Carson was part of the Wayne Gretzky trade, uh, which I think, uh, yeah, it was like the it was the 35th anniversary not that long ago of the trade, about two weeks ago or so. Uh, on this day, August 18th, uh, two teams advanced into the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, this was 2020. Yes, this was 2020. You're probably wondering why. Why is there playoff action, I guess, on this day? Well, because it was 2020 when the, the, they had the bubble in the summertime. Uh, Alex Tuck uh, scored third-period goal, which proved to be the series winner. Uh, in the Vegas Golden Knights 4-3 game, 5 victory over the Chicago Blackhawks. And then later... Uh, that same evening, uh, there was another. It was between the Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, uh, the Boston Bruins won 2-1 in Game 5 to close out the series. And on this day, last year, August 18th, 2022, the Montreal Canadiens acquired Sean Monaghan from the Calgary Flames. So Sean Monaghan previously... A uh, longtime Calgary Flames player uh, traded to the Montreal Canadiens uh, on this day. 
August 18th, 2022. And that'll do it for On This Day. And that'll do it for this episode of the Puck House Podcast. Uh, actually, there's some big news, actually. Uh, normally, I'm like, all right, you go follow the Instagram and the Twitter. Uh, not just that anymore. We are now on YouTube and TikTok. So go follow me over there. Uh, same thing, it's same username. Just search up the Puck House, both YouTube and TikTok. Of course, you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter as well. I don't care about the whole X thing. I'm calling it Twitter still. You know it. You know it. It's, it's yeah. So Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, or TikTok, you have four options to go, fo- go follow me on any of those platforms or all of them. You might as well. You might as well just go follow, follow me on all of them. Uh, definitely, I think you're going to get different types of content on each platform. Uh, you know, I think Twitter is going to be Twitter and Instagram are more kind of news and then YouTube and TikTok. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sharing quite a few stories on there, sharing some videos on there. So go go follow me over on those uh, two new platforms as well, as well as also following following me on Instagram and Twitter to get bonus content uh, in between uh, podcast episodes. And until next time, goodbye.